Wednesday Morning Coffee Club with your host, Bill Sparks. The panel members are Dave and Chris Spreaker, Bill and Jenny Sparks, Tim Oney, and Jeff Bennett. For the next two hours, Bill will be taking your calls. We'll have lots of conversation, demonstrations of products, and much more. You may reach us by calling 646 876 9923. Follow the automated prompts. When you're asked for a meeting ID, enter 287 723 4600. When you're asked for a user ID, just press pound. You may also join us by downloading Zoom for your Android or iOS devices from the Play Store or the App Store. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Bill Sparks. Well, a very good Wednesday morning to you, and welcome to the Coffee Club. What is this, May the 3rd? 2023, it's check day when I worked at the Social Security Administration, and that's where I retired from. It was always the third was check day, and that was always the day that we had to take the reports of the missing checks back in the day. So that's something we always did, and um, that was always one of our busiest days of the year. I remember one time, this was back in the 80s or 90s, we had a busy day because we were, uh, um, we answered an 800 line and one of the mail trucks were lost or all the checks were lost in Evansville, Indiana, and nobody got checks. And we had to do mandatory overtime just to be able to uh, talk to all those people. So you may not have 
wanted, you may have wanted to go home at five o'clock, but you couldn't go. You were there under main, I didn't even know they had such a thing, but we was. Okay, just a quick reminder before we get started, uh, the opinions expressed are those of the individual callers and not the management and or staff of the legend. Let's make sure we understand that very clearly. So if somebody comes in with facts that are all askew and messed up and whatever the case may be, that is that of the individual caller. So we'll just get that out of the way, let you know we've had a pretty good week. We are still looking for a power cord for Jennifer's Braille printer, and I'm not getting the kind of cooperation I would like to get, or she should be getting on that, so we may have to escalate that just just a wee bit. I will be traveling to Michigan maybe in a little over a week to take care of some business up there. So that'll be a, a change from the routine. We're keeping busy around here. Jenny made me go get the taxes done yesterday. So that's all done. So now we're just Moving along, I'm getting ready to set up the third Legend computer this weekend, so I feel pretty good about that. So, Jennifer, what's rocking your world? Oh, my gosh. I don't think I've stopped since we got home. I feel like I've been busy every day. Of course, you know, without the printer cord, I'm using an old-school Braille writer to do everything, and yesterday I was working on calendars, monthly calendars that I do for... um, a, a place in Michigan in their lunch menus and makes you appreciate the the speed that a printer works and makes me interested. Someplace I read something in a, um, oh, a newsletter that I get from the Braille Revival League about a rail writer that they make in Japan that will let you write on both sides of the paper. Boy, that would be nice because my little three-page calendar turned into six on a braille writer. (laughs) So I can see why they'd want to do it. And I've never found a way to do it and make it work right on a regular braille writer. But anyway, I'm not complaining. Just been busy, and that's the way I like it. Book talk was good yesterday, and we had lots of participation and I better hurry up. I haven't had time to read my book I'm supposed to have read by Tuesday. <laughs> How about those utility bills? How are you working with those? With the, uh, with... I just do it by hand. I do it on the bear rider and staple sheets of paper together and off they go. I keep telling you, I got a, I got a nice utility bill. It was $96, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, but you're not going to pay it for me. You'll only no. barrel it up for me. If I, if I found somebody that could, would at least fix the electric bear rider, I would, that would make it a little easier on my fingers. But, but I'm, I'm just thankful that this bear rider continues to work without any trouble. It's old. I received it when I was in first grade, I think. A lady gave it to me because somebody in her family passed away, and it was new then. So that gives you an idea how old it is. Well, that's and, uh, that. 
That'll soon be remedied. I just can't understand in this wide, big country that we can't find a power cord for a printer. You know, there's products for everything else. I, it's well, just, I just don't understand that the place that makes it. They keep saying they'll send me a power cord, and I call back, and they say, oh, well, we have to check the ticket and see how far along it is. Put the darn thing in the mail and send it if you've got it. I shouldn't have to. You know, they have them because they sell them because they give it to you if you buy the whole printer. You know, they want you to buy new, another printer. You don't need another printer. The printer's not the problem. It's just the power. Oh, cord. the printer's fine. It's not even that old. I, and it's it's just different enough that it's not like I can borrow one from another printer because that won't work. Right. So we hopefully will get that resolved real, real, real soon and get that going. Since Jeff's jumped in two or three times, we might as well move into the head of the line here. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, very good, Bill. I don't know if I'm the head of the line, but we'll say hello to everybody. Uh, I was just um, looking at. I was amazed at just how good enough because I had to go for a. Uh, I had to go for a blood, uh, not a blood test. I had to go to uh, an imaging place to get an image of ultrasound of my leg because I had, I had developed cellulitis in my leg, and we talked about that a little bit last week, I think. And what happened was uh, I went to the imaging place, and it, it's just amazing how nice everyone was there. I mean, I've, I've been to places where if you can't see, they don't want to even talk to you, they don't want to know you, but they were so nice. And um, I, I will tell you that if anyone uses TH or Trin it's through Trinity Health My Chart, that is probably the most accessible piece of software that's on your phone. The app is accessible on the iPhone. It's accessible on the computer. I prefer using it on the iPhone. It's quicker. It's much easier. It's easier. Um, and, and it's very quick and very usable. So that's all I'll say about that. Everything is good here in beautiful Albany, New York, but we're waiting for the summer to come. It hasn't come yet. Yeah, um, we waited but, for that for a long time. Yeah. And you, you, you probably wish you were back down in Florida. Right. right but uh, everything is good here. That's all I'll say. Yeah, we're we're really looking forward to that. And thanks, Jeff. And um, that'll be a debate for another day. I know iPhones are great, but on it, there's nothing like a computer. If you really want to get a lot of work done, I think the iPhones are great. But I, I, I honestly think for, especially if you have to use the iPhone and you're using Safari, Sorry for your luck. Uh, it's yeah, no, okay. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Safari, but I, you know, I get, uh, yeah. I get that, Bill. Yeah, that, that's another thing. Okay, let's go to Radio Tim. Good morning. Yeah, we. Um, you're talking about using Safari and all that. I, I've been using Brave lately, and looks pretty nice on the iPhone. But um, anyway, things are going pretty well around here. Uh, it's been cold, but finally it's getting warm. Uh, it's supposed to be up to around 70 today, tomorrow, and Friday, so not bad. And otherwise, oh, oh I've got a fun countdown tomorrow night for 1955. I'm looking forward to that. Um, How many people on this show were alive in 1955? I was two. Well, I was yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not many. Not yeah. many. Um, not many, though, really. Probably. But they still enjoy the music. So that's the main thing. We're going to talk to somebody in a few minutes. They weren't 
<laughs> not only were they alive, but they were romping and stomping in 1955. So... Um, there we go. Let's see. We went through everybody on the panel. Right. For those who are, are don't remember, uh, Chris and Dave are, are doing other things on Wednesdays, but uh, they will have a recipe later on in the show, if I remember correctly. So just for those who might ask questions. So Yeah, they're, they're all right. Um, it's time to take some callers. And I know <laughs> you won't listen. I don't even know why I say it to you guys. But please, for the podcast's sake, try to cut down on your background noise if you can. Just please. All right, let's go. Jeff, who's first? We'll get Joe Sorensen, and then Gail will come after Joe. Go ahead and mute yourself, Joe. Okay, good morning, Coffee Club Worldwide Legend. We look forward to that. 54 degrees, up to 82 today, down to 54 tonight. I was alive and kicking in 1955. I was a swapping 14 years of age. Oh, yes, so I, I definitely look forward to the 1955 countdown. Okay, and here, rolling in, with, not without a rolling pin, here's Ellen. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Well, um, I was not here back then, but that's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, we're doing pretty good around here. Just doing our usual thing here. Well, I, good news. I got the, uh, my new cushion came in last Thursday. So that, well, actually it came in on Wednesday, but um, I got it on Thursday. So that was good. And so now my life is much easier to manage. And so... Other than that, you know, we're plugging right along. Plugging right along. We got to go to the bank and go, go to we our. We got to pay the rent. You know what's what's interesting? We got our social security checks came in on Saturday, the twenty ninth. That seems like they're coming in. <laughs> well, does, does your bank do this? My bank does this. They pay me two days earlier for the for what what comes yeah, in. That's what's, that's, that's what's happening. Thing. And I'll tell you the reason they're doing that, guys, is because they're trying to compete with uh, other companies like Chime, and there are other companies that are doing the same thing. So, for example, I know, and, and I wish that, like Bill, you were talking about the checks coming out on the third. Well, I guess maybe the reason I get mine on the on the on the second uh, Wednesday of the month is because my birthday is on the seventh of January. I'm not yeah. sure why they did that, but you well, know more it about was it. to it, it was to distribute the workload. Jeff, we used to have, a, you know, you had hundreds and hundreds of calls and all of that work on the third of the month, and then they were having trouble delivering all of that mail, and they said it would be a budget savings if they spread them out based upon your date of birth on the second, third, and fourth Wednesdays of every month. So that's well, what happened in 1997. Well, my, my check comes on the second Wednesday of the month. However, my bank gives says they give me the check two days earlier, but that's not two days earlier. I actually see it in my bank account on Saturday, which is uh, which is more than two days before. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah. But I, I pretend it's not there because uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get too much in, into a habit of that whole thing. But uh, and the same thing with my pension check that, that that normally comes on the last the second to last business day of the month. But I get it I get it a day earlier, so I'm not complaining about it. But banks are competing with other or they're all competing to keep your business, and that's why they're doing that. So because these other companies like Chime and I forgot the name of the other company that I saw doing the same thing, they do the same thing. They give you your money two days early, so because they know they're going to get it. They know they're going to be that, that it's not going to bounce. They know I, well, unless the federal government really goes bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, right. But 
or New York State goes bankrupt. So, all right, guys. Not not Chase. They don't they don't follow that. They oh, know I was never so a big, big fan of them. Yeah, they they just do well, it on the did, third. They few. did yours this time. You got yours early this time. Oh, I don't think it's because of Chase, but who knows? But you never know. Okay, who's next, Jeff? Next, Gail. We're, gonna, we're going to talk to Gail out in the wilds of Minnesota. Go ahead, Gail. Unmute yourself, please. Hello there. I hope I'm unmuted. You yes, are. you Go are. Ahead. Boy, we've got beautiful sunshine coming in through my window. That's good. It's kind of blocking my monitor seeing things because I have enough usable sight to get into a little bit of mystery. <laughs> but anyway, everything else is going well. Uh, most of the way, certain things I have to kind of iron out about a few things. Took care of the rent check this morning. Um, uh, I hope, Jenny, you get your your cord soon for your printer because, you know, you paid for that thing. You should be able to just, they should just be able to send it to you and that should be the end of the road, Josephini, so to speak. You know, I didn't think it would be so much trouble. But Me anyway. either. <laughs> You know, that's like burning an egg or two without even trying. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, everything else is, is going well here. I had to straighten out a few. I have a little, like a file box, and there were a few things that were kind of not going well with that. So between Wendy and I, we straightened it out so that I can use that a little bit easier and a little bit better. But like I said, everything else is going well. And if anyone can find any mischief for me, pass it my way. Well, thank you for paying that rent check because it, it just went right into my checking account, Gail. I appreciate Aren't that. Aren't you the sweetest dude in the world? I'm <laughs> just kidding you, Gail. I, I know you yeah. are. That's why I said it that way. You know, aren't you the sweetest dude in the world? Yeah. Dude, I, <laughs> no one's ever called me a dude before. I do, Well, yeah. there's always a first time. Anyway, that's about it for the way things are going here. Very good, Gail. We'll All right, see. thank you, Gail. Do we have anybody else, Jeff? Yeah, Beth, well, Beth, can you unmute yourself, please? There we go. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Well, I had a neat thing happen yesterday afternoon. I, I know that sometimes we get to where we can plant things, flowers. I don't know. I think certain people have gardens here, vegetables, flowers, whatever. I'm, I'm not real sure exactly what we're going to be planting eventually. But yesterday, I went out with our activities director, Annette, and I pulled weeds out of the four big flower pots. And I tell you what, I felt so good about it because, first of all, I got fresh air, I got exercise, and, and I, I was really doing something productive, and that I can handle. <laughs> Plus, I was, I, I did sleep good last night, too, because of it. Well, that's good. Well, that's a good thing, you getting your hand in the dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about your universal yums or your or any of that we, stuff? Are they doing any have, of that yet? We didn't have the universal yums at all last month. I was really disappointed, and I know Annette was too. But she got she, at least she's got an email for them now, whoever it is, and she emailed them and she said, "I want that shipped." no later than the 15th of the month from now from now on she said no more of this end of the month stuff and i'm really glad she said that because they've got to be doing something we're supposed to have it i think in another week or two so hopefully they've got it um hopefully they have it coming because we do want to have it 
Oh, it's like the cord for the printer. It'll happen sometime. Yeah, sometime. So Christmas. At least yeah. it can be here Christmas. But I mean, summer first, of course. We got to go a little slow. I don't want to go too fast. <laughs> and also, I'm trying to. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting my Afghans. A couple of Afghans closer to being finished and. I'm also finished a hat yesterday and started another one, so I'm getting close to being done with a couple more of those. I think we got you some business coming too, Beth. Sorry about that. My email decided to say hi. (laughs) We got some more business for you, so just don't get too too comfortable with not doing anything i think and and and, and you like to keep busy doing that stuff which is really cool Beth. Mm-hmm. i think I that's, that's that's good yeah really do. all right well we've got two or three other callers there miss beth all right thank so, you so thank you beth all right we've got the next one on the list here is i believe is uh don out in the the wilds of uh hollywood california i guess it is north so hollywood ahead. be be precise jeff north hollywood yeah. Go ahead, Don and Sandy. Go ahead, Don. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Sandy, I don't know. She hasn't uh, checked in with me yet this morning, but it may be as well that she didn't. But uh, as I have some in, some rather intricate uh, questions for you here in a minute. Okay. But uh, first, I want first I want to say I want, I want to take this opportunity to say that. Uh, we did get to, we have been able to check in with the book club uh, in recent weeks. And uh, anyway, I was having a problem uh, getting through the maze of uh, uh, Jennifer Sparks. I don't think it's our Jennifer Sparks <laughs> Any, or anything like that. I think uh, they had a, there was a writer and I don't know who all else. But I think part of the problem that solved it for me was when I changed it from Jennifer to Jenny. Yeah, that's what that's we've what, always said, Jenny Sparks. So, anyway, but you yeah, got it, right? Big pardon? I said, do you have it now? Oh, yes, yes. I Good, have it that's really, so, yeah. Anyway, if I cast any aspersions or, you know, accidentally cast any aspersions on Jenny, I want to, I want to apologize for that. Well, that'll earn you a cutoff, Don. That that gets you an automatic cutoff. So, you know, if you do that, you're gone. History, (laughs) California history, you are. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, anyway, I certainly didn't want to cast any aspersions in the wrong direction there. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to report quickly on uh, last week, uh, Sandy and I, we went over to the Braille Institute. Every year at this time, they have um, a library open house, and this was uh, actually they haven't really had it the last two or three years because of COVID, of course. So this is the first time they've really had one, and it was uh, well received. Uh, I was the MC for it, and we had about 200 people there on Wednesday morning, and uh, it went very well. We had a lady who was the poet laureate of. Uh, Los Angeles. Uh, she came in and did some poetry. Didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> uh, we also had a guy named Jeff Moyer from in, uh, from uh, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. He was our keynote speaker, uh, and uh, we did that via Zoom, I guess. And it was okay, except uh, the, the the video was fine, but we had a hard time with the audio on that. And uh, we also had. Uh, 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 a couple of guys who were supposed to be doing uh, 
as part of Jazz Appreciation Month, uh, Sandy and I thought that they would be playing jazz, but no, what are they playing? Country. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how our uh, how our music teacher felt about that, but she wasn't there that day. So. <laughs> anyway, that was interesting. Well, anyway, so uh, that was uh, a success, uh, a very successful day. Uh, so anyway, that's the initial stuff I have for you. But I have a question for you, Bill. Since you're with uh, Social Security, or were with it at one point. Well, I spent 30 uh, years there. Pardon? I've spent 30 years there. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that's a long, long time. Well, and you should be able to answer this. Uh, now, uh, one of the problems that Sandy and I are having now is that uh, Sandy's, uh, she has a brother that has the, kind of the power of attorney, and so the place that she's been staying, uh, she's been there now for like a couple of three years, but uh, last week he announced that he wouldn't be able to continue paying his part of the uh, bill there. He was running out of it because he was using money that he got from the sale of uh, a house that was supposedly willed to Sandy. And when she got ill rather suddenly, uh, he used the opportunity to sell the house and everything with it. And so he split up the proceeds between Sandy himself and Sandy's older brother, uh, Michael. And so anyway, she kind of wants to come in and move with me, move in with me. Well, I, uh, I live in a Section 8 building here in North Hollywood, and I'm sure she would get, you know, she'd be eligible for Section 8. Uh, I guess the main question that I have here, well, a couple of questions I have. One is that I'm told that people who are in Social Security have a, uh, a caseworker. Uh, so far, I don't know if that's true or not. The guy I talked to the other day said... No. <laughs> He's right. That is not true. They do not have caseworkers. Uh, you might have a claims representative that's assigned to your case, you know, in a particular case that they may be working on a specific thing, but you do not have caseworkers, no. So you would have a claim representative, I guess. Right? Well, you could have. You could have. If they're working on a pending case, if she had filed a claim or have something to do like that. Otherwise, just going down to the office, there's not going to be a pen, you know, a person who is specifically assigned to her case. Unless so, they're well, working that, on something. Say, for example, say, for example, and I'll cut this short. I won't make it real long. Um, Just just say, for an example, you applied to receive her Social Security check for her or someone was applying to become a representative payee for her. Something had changed like that. Then that would be a reason, you know, something like that. But. No, there's not. It's not like the welfare department where there are case workers. I see. So, what did you call it? A claims uh, representative. representative, right? If they were working on a current or something that they might be working on in the office for her, you know, a, a, a for a reason. Okay. Well, the other quick, uh, the other question I have, uh, real quick, is that. When uh, her brother sends the checks in, he he only pays part of it, I guess. And what I question is is the legality. 
what he does is he sends a check that's a Bank of A check, Bank of America check. But for some reason, the money comes from Wells Fargo. Is that legal? <laughs> well, I don't, as long as the funds are received and they're legal funds and he's not breaking the law that way, how or what he does the banking, as long as he mails the, the funds in and... You know, if if he is her representative payee, as long as her needs are being met, then, you know, that's all that he can be expected to do. It's not up to me and or you to determine how he gets that check in as long as he gets that check in. Right. So that's, you know, I'm not trying to be flippant or anything like that at all with you at all. But, uh, you know, that's strictly how he pays the money as long as he gets it in and he's credited and it's payment and they're legal funds, then there's no questions asked. Now, if she would happen to move in with you and the circumstances change, then Perhaps someone else would consider becoming her, you know, representative payee. In other words, and maybe she doesn't need anybody to receive her checks. I don't know. You know, that would be up to a doctor's office to make that determination, not me or you or, you know, we're not qualified to do that. Right. Yeah, so. she, she wants to move in with me in a couple of months. The only problem that I can see with that is that uh, she's not ambulatory, and I don't have that big a place. <laughs> Well, I I guess that's going to work out or not. I guess the second question would be if she's not, then she's probably going to require extra care. But the other thing is, and I don't know your lease circumstances or don't pretend to know, but will they allow a second person to move in with you? I know some buildings are pretty funny about that, so. And he's also on Section 8, which may affect that as well. I don't know if it's Right, so, I mean, well. I don't know. I don't have enough knowledge or what I presume to know. So those are a lot of considerations you, you know, have to keep in mind. And I'm sure in real life out here in the world, she probably does have a social worker or someone, a caseworker who kind of guides those things along in her life. Now, they may be like this power cord. They're a little slow in getting these things done, and and I don't presume to know that. I mean, I would think that before she moves in with you, Don, you, you may want to find out from from the social worker or from from uh, any any advocates for the, for for people with a disability what services is she entitled to, or what services can she obtain if she were to move in with you, and how, how best to get those uh, those those services you know for her at that point. You know, you and, just, ahead, and this is not an uncommon thing because. You know, people have so many funds and, you know, and it's lasted a while and these homes or facilities where they stay, they become quite expensive and that takes a lot of their money. And so this is not an uncommon situation. Oh, no, I've heard of heard of it before, for sure. On that. What are you doing there, Don? You setting off the fire alarm? (laughs) <laughs> no, that's just my alarm. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, 
I set a second alarm for 7 o'clock in case I missed the first one. Well, we're so just anyway, giving you a hard time. We're just teasing you a little bit. But, oh, I know. So, so, I know. but you know, I would talk to her, so, you know, somebody in the know and her social worker. And Social Security's job is just to make sure that she and or her representative payee get her money. Just because she's in a home doesn't mean she necessarily needs to have somebody receive her Social Security check for Because you can be very sharp mentally and all that kind of stuff, you know. So that's a decision, you know, we don't have enough time to know here and wouldn't know. Oh, yeah, I realize that. Uh, so, anyway, that's, uh, for the moment, that's all the questions I have. Uh, if I well, have all I can say me. is good luck, good luck, good luck. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And keep us posted, okay? All right. Oh, and, Don, real quick, uh, if uh, tomorrow night, if you want me to, I can play your request from last Thursday that I didn't have in time. <laughs> anyway. Chanson de Morgue. Oh, I, oh, I, I know that yeah. one. But he wanted the Manhattan transfer version, which I... I, I played the Red Robin, uh, that group, the Red Robins, for uh, the other day. I didn't... He had another another, re, another request, but I had to do that. We got anybody else? Nowhere. I'm, I'm sure the minute I say this, but we're all caught up. All right. If we don't have anybody else, Mr. Levy, are you here? Is Mr. Seven Seven Three? You're here? here. All right. Can I get you to? Can I? Can I get you to shut up for fifteen seconds? I don't know. I don't know if I can or not. But uh, anyway, let's have a little bit of fun. We promised, or I promised you last week, we would do a one-on-one. Everybody's always wanted to know about. William Levy, or Bill Levy, as he's more commonly known as. Um, I've known you as an alumnus from the Blind School. Tell me a little bit about, A, when you were born, how old you are, where you were born, and when you went to the Indiana School for the Blind, and then I'll take it from there. Okay, number one, I was born December 12th, 39. Just the facts, man. Born, <laughs> okay, go I ahead, born, Yeah, I was born in... Uh, Decatur, Indiana, Adams County, and I've lived several different places, but I was born and raised mainly, in, I was born and raised in the country on a farm. Uh, I did farming all my life. My dad bought a farm in, uh, I think it was about 1964. He, he bought the neighbor's farm, and no, before that, what am I talking about? It was 50, 56. When he bought the neighbor's farm, he sold it in '77. But he bought the farm, so I farmed. Of course, I worked. Uh, I worked with other farmers. One thing I did, I uh, did uh, worked at a hay baler. I was a wire sticker for a wire baler for a while, and that's when I was even had the vision problem. I've had vision problem ever since 1945 when I went to preschool exam. They covered my right eye and said, "Which way to the east point?" I read the line all the way down. They said, "Now we're going to cover your other eye." and tell which way to East Point when they cut my left eye to turn the light back on. Well, I had no vision in the right eye, and my parents didn't know it because it didn't look it didn't look abnormal or anything. So then I started doctoring. And then in 49, I finally went to the IU Med Center down in Indianapolis, Indian University Med Center, and they diagnosed the case as um, the condition was called BKH, 
Blake call you Nagi Hirata syndrome. And in 1949, I was the only known Caucasian in the United States with that eye disease. It's an oriental disease. It was it was prevalent on the West Coast because you had the uh, oriental population, and it, it's prevalent now in the in the in the Spanish uh, race or Mexican anything like that. And I've doctored it for whole years. I went to see. They finally in 1956 they did a cataract surgery on my right eye because they developed cataracts, so let's try it for experiment. And I, I said, okay. So we did that. Of course, I got vision in that eye, and I got vision in that eye just well enough that I couldn't read the last three lines for a driver's license. And then in 69, I had eye cataract surgery on the left eye, but I lost the vision in the right eye pretty much. And then I started ISB in 51, and I graduated in 60. And of course, there was the, which was my wife, Claudette. She, and we'll, we wound up yeah. as friends in the <laughs> hospital when we were nine years old, because we were both there at the same time. And she lived in Annapolis, and I lived up near near Bluffton, which is out Fort Wayne. And we'd see each other doctor's office, and then we lost track of each other. And so when I went to school in 51, I was walking down the hall one day, and all of a sudden, I heard this person yell, Billy, Billy. They called me Billy when I was a little kid or younger. And it was her. So we, we still kept being friends. And then, of course, it led into all other kind of things. And then we finally got married in 61. And, of course, she passed away in 2017. We'll and be talking all about that in just a few minutes. But okay. let, so, let me let me take you here just a little bit. So you went okay. there in 51 and you graduated in 1960. What are some of the things... And we'll get to you and Claudette's wife and just uh, okay. life in just a moment. I promise you, we'll get there. But tell me about some of the things and highlight some of the things that you achieved at the blind school that they're still talking about today. Well, I guess the main thing. I don't know why I was so so well. I don't know why I'm so well known or people know about me even today from uh, from ISBVI. But uh, I guess it was just. I did. I did a lot of things. I was editor of the paper, president of the front paper club. I was assistant scoutmaster and other all of the other things. But then also, I guess my big thing was probably wrestling. I was on the original wrestling team in 1950. Well, it was somewhere around 54, I think, or whenever, whenever, whenever Mr. Wachowski came to the school. I forget what year he came, but then he started a wrestling team, and some of the original members of that was myself, Jim Hart, Gene Reek, Roger Dyer. Uh, some of those guys, they're all, most of them are all, all gone. Well, Gene and Jim are still around to talk to them. But I guess I was the, the first four-letter four letter winner. I was on the varsity team for four years, and my senior, my junior and senior year, I was undefeated. I think I had something like, I know, it was like something like 25 pins in less than 30 seconds. So I, I wouldn't even break a sweat on the mat. And, and the ones I really loved to wrestle was the kids from public school because I used to fake them out. I wore glasses, but I could, I could see without them. Not clear, but I would stumble over the edge of the mat, couldn't find the center of the mat. Referee would have to take my hand. He'd say, it's over here, young man. He'd reach out, take my take me with a wrist or something, lead me over so I could find the... I knew where the guy was. I could see him, but I'd fake it, and that I couldn't see. So that would throw him off. So when the referee said, ready, well, he blew the whistle, and next thing the guy knew he was laying on his back. But 
other words, I guess that's the main thing. And then, of course, I don't know, I just, I was active in a lot of stuff. My senior year, I did a lot of stuff in the office uh, because I could do an average of 110 words a minute on a manual typewriter. So they used to hire me or hire me to come in and do a lot of stuff in the office, type stuff up. And I was active in other things uh, in the city itself. You know, I did, I did other things. I, I knew guys like uh, Dick Summer, Thompson Bill Baker, some of the radio stations. I knew those guys. So I used to go to sock hops. Or, well, back then it was a girlfriend, but we used to go to sock hops around the city and that. So. Right. Now, so I don't know, but I, yeah, because I know when I went to, I don't know why I was so well-known, Bill, even to this day, because the superintendent today, I I went to the first, I went to alumni back in 2019, I think, and I was sitting at the table, and he found out who I was, and he said, he knew, he knew all about me, and then one time I called him to uh, check on some other stuff, and he asked me all kinds of things about where certain why certain things looked like they did certain areas of the of the, of the building some of the secret hideout and I said well that's that explains itself you know well okay where, where guys uh, get yeah to meet, you know. just to put things back on track here you graduated in 1960 your sweetheart right. Claudette who right. later became your wife, graduated in 1959. So yeah. when you got out of school in 1960, so it was about this time of year in May, and by the, back in the day when you were going to the school, it was called the Indiana School for the Blind, which it right. probably should be today instead of all that right. other nonsense. But anyway, you graduated in 19. 19- 60. You and Claudette, she had been out a year. You guys were obviously still dating. You know, you'd met the love of your life. But then it was time to get a real job. It's nice to type in the office and and do those things. What were your choices or what were you thinking when you got out of school in 1960? Okay, well, that because Claudette, she, it kind of influenced me some. I didn't, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I had all the all the all the um, set up to go to a four-year college. I had aunt and uncle going to pay all my expenses and everything. One one and two or whatever I wanted to do. So anyway, she got into massage therapy, and she went to a school in Kansas City. Well, she was in Kansas City, but we just keep in touch. So anyways, then I decided I would. We kind of decided to do it. We'd go, I'd go with the same thing. And then we can basically maybe have our own own business. Well, I went to school then in Chicago in uh, February '61, and I uh, started massage physical therapist because they had physical therapy this one. So I went into the whole thing. Well, then I started the school, and the University Club of Chicago was looking for a uh, massage therapist. So the, the instructor or the head of the school. That I was qualified to go try. I hadn't finished school yet, but she said I was qualified to go do it. So I went over and interviewed for the job, and I got the job. And I and I walked in, and of course I put on the application where I went to high school, and that, and the, the manager of the, of the building or the club said, "Oh, I see you went to the Indiana School for the Blind. You have a vision problem." Well, yeah, I've got a vision problem, but I said at that time I could see well enough to reprint with a magnifying glass or large print, and I'm sitting at a desk and. I, I looked up and I told him what time it was. I looked at his clock on the wall, 
and he said, okay, so then he asked me what would happen if I got injured or something or, or tripped on the stairs. And I said, well, I told him, I said, is, is, and I told said, Mr. So-and-so, I said, put it this way. If you walk out the door here and tripped over something on the floor that wasn't supposed to be there that you could trip over if you didn't notice it, I said, I would sue you to the hilt. And he just sat there a minute and he said, you're really frank, aren't you? And I said, you're right. He said, you're hired. I worked there for 15 and a half years. All right, I'm going to stop you for just a second here. You, you've got your job at, you know, there in Chicago. You've gotten your job. You're getting ready, and I think in the same year you also married your high school sweetheart. Yeah, am I correct? When I got the job, yeah. We already decided when I got a job, we probably we were going to get married. Right, so, but anyway, uh, got, uh, right. July twenty ninth that year. Right, but with your permission, and if you tell me no, I'll stop at any time. This just wasn't a marriage. It wasn't a marriage between two blind people, or well, that it was, but. At that time, when you got married, hopefully you'll feel comfortable discussing this. This was a biracial marriage, and that just wasn't done back then so much. You know, with your family, your friends, I am sure once they knew her, that there was no problem, but it wasn't the easiest thing to do. You want to comment on that? Uh, Well, put it this way, I had... We went together to to high school, more or less. From '56 on, we really got got serious before we were more or less friends. But uh, in 1959, the school used to put on what they called operettas, plays, and the head of the music department at that time put us across from each other, and it was a a love story. It was about this girl that, well, she she, owned, she inherited this ranch or some way she owned it. And it was it was sort of a western, and it was called Cherry Cherokee Road. And there was a whole lot of protest about us playing opposite each other. And the superintendent and the head of the music department said, if, it, if we can do the part and we're, we're qualified with the part, they weren't going to stop it. So anyway, we put on the play. And unbeknownst to me, of course, my parents even came down and tried to get it stopped because they, cause they didn't like, at that time, you know, they really, they were, it wasn't they didn't like her, they knew her. My mother knew her, my dad knew her because they'd met her. But they, it was the, Idea that she was, um, it was, a, it was well, she was biracial herself, but she was more uh, black than anything else. So, anyways, uh, so they tried to stop it. Well, they wouldn't get it stopped. Well, anyways, lo and behold, that night of the play, I didn't know it. My parents and the minister of the church and his wife I went to, they were in the audience. And when we finished, we come out together because she had a lot of changes she had to make. So I was carrying all the, help carry all her stuff out to the room where they're going to hang it and put it, get it back. And there my parents spoke to me in, in the course and we stood there and talked. But then, of course, we never really had any trouble because even at that time it wasn't really known because we were going together and we used to go, her and I used to go to sock hops at, at the all-white schools back then like Ben Davis, Beach Grove. We used, to, we used to be invited to the sock hops and I can remember we went one 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 time to a sock hop in Ben Davis, and I only danced with her once because everybody else was dancing with her. So there was, she, right. she was a good dancer, I mean, she, and but anyways, so and we never had any trouble. I never had any trouble when we go shopping or downtown or anything, walking around, no problem. The only thing we had was we found out when we got ready to get married, we couldn't marry in Indiana, so we got married here in Illinois. She had an uncle living here in Chicago. 
so we we uh, came to Illinois and got married. But then after we married, uh, a month after we got married, we went down to to visit my my folks because they told us to come down. We went down, and lo and behold, to me, I get down there. We go down on a Friday. I took a day off work, and well, because of the way the bus ran, left early, went to Fort Wayne, met them. We went out the house, and we got out the house, and, and my mother said to us as soon as they got in the door, oh, I hope you don't mind, but tomorrow all the family and your friends are coming over. So they had a big, like, a reception. Well, we kind of looked at each other, and and I said, okay. Well, anyway, everybody came over, and there was no problem. I mean, she was just like... Broke the barrier, right. And, right. It, and you were married for how many years? Uh, well, we got married in 60, 61. She died in 16, so it was about 50... 55 years, yeah. Right, so... Or, yeah, right, 55 years. You know, it worked, you stayed together, and in a story, and today they don't blink an eye, but back then, the reason I had you tell the story was it wasn't as easy to overcome those oh, no. well, in fact, obstacles. When we, when we came to Chicago, before we got married, I was, we were trying, I was trying to figure out where we were going to live. And one day, I, was, I used to stay at a place called the Old Cash Hotel. It was up on North, North Wabash. And I was walking by this apartment building at the corner of Grand and Wabash. And I saw a sign on the door, apartment for rent. Well, this is like a month before he's getting married almost. So I called the guy. And he said, well, I'd like to meet with both of you. So we came in. And he never said anything. But the only thing he said was, you've got the apartment. But he said, there's only one thing. He said, he turned to Claudette and he said, uh, Claudette, he said, I got one thing. I don't know how you're going to be treated in the building or the area because you'll kind of, as far as I know, you'll be the only, back then they said colored, he said, you'll, you'll be the only colored person probably within five miles of that building. Well, we moved in and she, I went to work and so I came home that evening and I said, how'd things go today? He said, well, it must have went all right. She said, I've met everybody in the building. And so she, she never had any problems. She was, the, the other people in the building used to come over and visit with her. The ladies were, her husbands were working or, or they were just single women. They'd come over and visit with her. So she never had any problem. And then we're sending in 64 and moved in the house I'm, I'm in right now. And we never had any problem around here. In fact, she babysit something like 30-some kids. So, every, every kid on the block. Yeah. In fact, my house was the center of, of uh, entertainment because I could come home. I got off at 7 o'clock then, and I could be home by 7.30, quarter to 8, and I could always find at least 15, 20, 25 kids on my board playing games. I mean, it was, it was like the center place. In fact, a little side story. Uh, I was in Chipshawana to a year ago, and we met this older couple and got talking to them and come to find out. He knew some of the people I knew, but because he worked people's gas. But his wife, she said, you lived where? And I told her where it was. She said, you know, I used to walk by that house and see all those kids on the porch. She said, I was envious because she said, I lived with my grandmother two blocks down the street. And I often wondered how all these kids got to, your, got to that house, and I never got there. I said, well, you could have stopped any time you wanted to. Yeah, I told her then. I said, you know, you'd have been welcome because... You just have kids come by six blocks away just our house to play games and be here. Well, you course, like, everybody contributed that to Claudette because she was, she was really good. Because uh, if you don't mind me, I got a little side story for you about sure. when she took care of uh, the kids. She had a, a, a child that she got when the girl was six months old. 
and her mother, it was the Christmas, Christmas before that, because she got her, but her mother was going to Memphis, Tennessee to visit her family, and she hit a patch of ice, and the car slid off the road, and get through, a little girl named Jennifer, Jennifer under the dash, and hit her head, and she had brain damage. That's for the, you know, man, mandatory car seats and stuff. Well, anyways, she couldn't find anybody to take care of her, so she finally, Claudette said, well, she'll give it a try. And so she took her, and the doctor said she'd never walk, talk, or even feed herself. Well, Claudette come, told me that night when she entered talk with the, with the mother, she said, he's going to learn to walk, talk, and feed herself. I said, okay. I just said, okay, her, and just let it go. So anyways, within, within six months, she had her sitting up. She could sit up by herself. And then she later on got her where she could, she could feed herself part way. And then we had an old a dog, a uh, collie spit, with all white. It's called Ajax, and she used to love that dog. Well, he was here with all those kids. Those kids could do anything. They'd all pet him, bang on him, jump on him, pull his ears, pull his tail. If he got tired, he'd go crawling under the table where they couldn't get to him. But anyway, one day, Jennifer got word she could crawl around on the floor. And so she was holding, over, holding on to Ajax, and Ajax decided he wanted to move, so he stood up, and she held on to him, and there's fur in that. Well, right away, Claudette told Ajax to stay because he didn't want her to fall. So she went over, and she wouldn't let go of him. And so she thought she'd try something, so she helped balance her and took Ajax with a collar, and Ajax taught her to walk. Anyways, she wound up walking, feeding herself. She learned to talk because she taught her how to taught her how to, how to talk. And but anyway, when she was 16 years old, she won the 60-yard dash in the Special Olympics in Memphis, Tennessee. Now that's cool. Uh, that is cool. Right. So you have to, yeah. Right. And so. so and she and she had she had deaf kids. She had one girl, one little girl was deaf. Uh, she learned sign, <laughs> learned sign language, so she could converse with her, and she got her. So she, she had her, and of course. So she had a lot of, in fact, I got one one girl we took care of. She's a growing woman. You know, she's, she's now head of uh, special, some kind of special pediatric division to Vanderbilt. So she's, and she's, we've got some of the kids. We've got their lawyers, their doctors, school teachers. A couple of, a couple of them are principals here in the system. So I had contributed. She, everybody contributed. If it wasn't for her, they wouldn't be where they are. So anyway, that's a good story. Now you worked where you worked. You worked there for how many years? Fifteen and a half. Fifteen and a half years you worked right. till what? Twenty eleven. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I, December thirty first, twenty eleven was the your was last my, day. Uh, and you worked so, there, yeah. and you made a lot of famous people over the years working at the athletic club. Oh yeah, club. I knew. Oh yeah, I knew. Let's say I knew both both, both Mayor Daly. Mm-hmm. Old man Daly, I knew Young Daly, I knew Thompson, Governor Thompson, we governor. Uh, How many I knew people? Him, were... I didn't know him real well. I knew Harold Washington. Uh, never met Jane Byrne. I knew, and then I knew for a long time I was a good friend with the head of the Illinois State Police, which he became a federal judge. Uh, but he's not practicing now because he's developed Alzheimer, Jim Zago. How many of these people are in jail that you worked with? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, none, none of them. None of them. None of them. I didn't know any of the ones that went to jail. Yeah, but I knew a lot. A lot of big, big movers and shakers. Like I saw the other day, they were talking about that bank and the Republic Bank. And yeah, Chase took it over, and, and they had Jimmy Diamond on. I didn't know Jimmy Diamond. He was still head of, still the head of uh, Chase because uh, I knew him when he got when he got to, when he got the job the very first day. 
So you, you know, knew him, and you, diamond, right? but you met, you even met presidents, right? Oh yeah, I had. Well, I had President Ford. Yeah. And I had uh, Vice President Mondale, and I never saw him personally, but I used to talk to him about once a month, Reagan, because when Zago Reagan was president, when Zago became federal judge, was appointed federal judge, and. So the phone rang one day, and it was Zago's secretary, and she'd never say, is, is Mr. Zago there? She'd just take a shoot with me, and she said, is he there? And I said, yeah. And so she said, tell him President Reagan's on the phone. So Zago was laying on my massage table, and so I had a phone right there, and I said, President Reagan's on the phone, wants to talk to him. And Zago just said to me, well, talk to the guy. And so I go, I go back to the phone, to the, to the phone, and pick the phone back up, put it up in my ear, and I said, uh, He'll be here in just a minute. Or no, as soon as I said something, I said, I said that. And he said, Jim Zago? I said, no, I'm sorry. I said, he'll be here in a minute. And so he asked who I was, and I told him who I was, and didn't tell him what, I, what Zago was doing, but I told him who I was. Didn't tell him what it did because he didn't ask me. So anyways, he, so then I handed the phone to Zago, and then Zago said, oh, he wants to talk to you again. I thought, the president wants to talk to me again. So he just talked to me, and we talked about kind of just general stuff. And then about, oh, maybe... Once a month or so, the phone would ring, and I'd pick it up and then say, "Hi, Bill. President Reagan here. How you doing today?" And we we just chat a little bit about just average stuff, you know, nothing special. And then, of course, one of the real real good things was my youngest daughter, who passed away in 2008. But she, uh, when Reagan was president, her husband to be, which is my son-in-law, he he was in Washington D.C. and so one day I told Zago she was going to work in D.C. to, to, to visit her, her boyfriend. So he called one day and said, called me and said, can uh, Claudia, my daughter's name, come over to my office? And I said, yeah. So I called and told her. She said, she went away. He gave her a, a letter of recommendation to get into the White House, the two of them. And she actually, she couldn't take pictures of it. She actually go, got to go into the Oval Office and sit behind the desk. Well, the, pictures of it, but, yeah. well, you know, we can't top that story, but what we can do, if you don't mind for a few minutes, will you yeah, take some ahead. questions from people who might have a question? Anybody oh, on the sure. panel have a question for Bill? Yeah, tell us about your two kids, uh, Bill. I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but you, but you talk about you had two kids with Claudia. So tell us a little bit about, about your, about what oh, was it okay, like raising okay, them? Well, we had no trouble. I mean, you know, I just, they just... The first one was born in 64, that's the oldest one, that's Julia, and Claudia was born in 66, and she, she all of a sudden, she, she uh, developed a pulmonary embolism in 19, uh, in 2008, and she only lasted two hours. She just, she just woke up in the morning sick of the dog throwing up, it was December, December 14th, because it was two days after my birthday, and she woke up throwing up, went to the hospital, and she's gone before we even got there. And they found out she threw a pulmonary embolism, which she didn't know she even had or anything. But anyways, they had no trouble. They were they were all good students. They were all, in fact, both of them went through 12 years or through, through kindergarten, grade school, and high school, and never missed a day, not did, even for anything. Did there you experience any prejudice from the parents of, of from, of, from no. your friends because you guys no. were handicapped and by and it was a no, biracial no, marriage? No, uh, no, I had no trouble. In fact. I, they uh, never, never had any problem. In fact, to really, really make us strange, when we used to go shopping when they were when we both had the two kids when they were real young. Say, say Claudia was a year and Julie was three years so or two years. Anyways, we would go shopping, and some people and Julia looks like she's Puerto Rican, 
though she would always say people come and talk to her in Spanish. When she was even like three, four years old, people come up and talk to her and start rattling the Spanish to her, the, the Spanish-speaking people. And, and she'd say she'd have no idea what they're saying. I said, well, we're not Spanish. And they'd, say, and they'd come in, oh, we're sorry, blah, blah, you know. Well, anyway, but then when Claudia was born, we would go shopping, and she'd be with us. And some even, all kinds of people walk up to us say, oh, isn't that sweet? Said you, you adopted a, uh, you, you adopted a little girl from, from China. Said, no, <laughs> she's not in China. She's our kid. Because Claudia looked Oriental. She had the same color skin as Oriental, and she also had, she had the slant, you know, as they say, the, the slanted eyes. And Julia was the color of most, most people in Puerto Rico. So we never any never had any problem. No, never, never. We never run into that problem anywhere, anywhere. And we we travel all over. In fact, we've been. I've been in every state except California, Alaska, and Hawaii. And we've been all through the South. Every every little town, every museum, every little village you could think of that you knew when that it was um, not the most popular area to be in. We never had any problem. We, we've traveled everywhere. As you were, as the kids were growing up, I mean, I know you can see, but did they try to take advantage of knowing that you, knowing that you had a visual oh, problem? No, 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 no. They never did that. Uh, never did that. I never, found never as a, a blind parent, you didn't want to make such a big issue or talk about blindness all the time. Kids wanted normalcy. You know, if it had to be talked about, it's fine. But the more oh, yeah, you well, they dwell, knew, they knew, they knew, right. I, they knew. Uh, well, right. Because you know, Claudia and I, we could when they were younger, we could we could we had vision, we could see. Right. But still, the idea we still you know we used braille, we had stuff around here in braille, we did all that kind of stuff, you know. And if, if there was, and of course, if they got to where when they got older, and and of course, Claudia, even though she took care of these kids, and my and my two kids were even the same way, when they were two three years old, every day from ten to twelve was school. Every kid that, that she took care of could knew the alphabet, could read and write the alphabet, could even read simple books. So most kids that went to kindergarten and left here was already qualified. Most of them were qualified first grade because a lot of them, they passed the first grade. Because every day from 10 to 12 was schoolwork. Well, now that's so a good thing. Them. They need to do that today when a right, lot of I mean, kids. You just perfectly had a class. You know, you'd, you'd yeah. all sit around the dining room table or the tables and they'd all have class. And she... And so I mean, it was just one of those. <laughs> I don't. Uh, some people said it was, you know, because even my my parents, after a year or so of marriage, I mean, it was like they couldn't they couldn't believe we had no trouble or nothing. We we go down. We could go down to my parents' house. Of course, you know that that area was pretty much well, it was all it was all you say all white. It was German, um, all that, but. We could go around anywhere down there and never had a problem. We'd go into town, we'd walk around, we'd go anywhere. No one, no one ever said anything to us, anything, nothing like that. We've got a race hand. We've got Joe in Albuquerque. Joe's got a question for Bill. Actually, it's me. But Ellen, that's okay. okay, that's all right. We'll we'll let yeah, you by. Um, Bill, I've got a, Bill L. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, congratulate you for. Trying to break the racial barrier. Now, I mean that. Now it's not easy back then. Um, now, my question is: Do you still have any sight left? And how how long did it take you to you know 
Is it, that disease, is it like a slow progression disease, or what is it? like? Okay. Uh, it, well, through the whole period of time, I've done all kinds of treatments and stuff, but I really lost lost vision totally. Well, I can, I can tell if there's a, a bright light on or the sunlight, stuff like that. Oh. But uh, lost vision totally probably has been in the last four years. Oh. And I, I, could, I could see up to then, and it just... But uh, I don't know what they, they they don't know what's happened. It's just all of a sudden just it's gone because the eyes the eyes look normal to them, but there's no and it's not the optic nerve or nothing like that. They don't know what the problem is. But I still go to the eye doctor and, and they because I'm I'm actually well as as one doctor one young doctor about a year ago told me he said that you know he said I'm new with this, but he said I can see why because of the, of the eye condition and what you're diagnosed with because back then in 49 was diagnosed as VKH. I had no contact with anybody from the Orient living in the middle of the United States in Indiana. There were no Orientals and I had an uncle who was in World War II in the Philippines but I didn't see him until 1946. I never laid eyes on him until 46 when he came back from the, from the military because he was he lived in Texas. In fact, he actually when he went to Texas, the military, he was in the cavalry, and then then he went into the the army, and then he went into the army, the old army air corps. He was a he was a paratrooper, so oh, okay. I never saw I never I never saw him until after the war was over, and that was somewhere in the summer of '46. I remember when he came home to visit his mother with my grandpa. We lived on the road from my grandparents, my mother's mother and father. Oh, okay. I was just, I was just curious because uh, right, right. No, it was, no, I've had, I've been. I mean, some of some of the treatments you wouldn't even believe. I mean, I. Just real quick, uh, a couple of the, some of the treatments I did trying to figure out how to, to stop this, I I took at one time cortisone injection into the eye. Ouch! Oh, and, okay. And then and one other and then uh, there was a time that I did like six weeks in a row. I'd go into the local hospital up where I lived, and they'd inject me with typhoid and they'd run my temperature up to 105. Thought they could possibly burn it out. And then at the end of the day, about three or four o'clock, they'd give me an injection, bring the temperature back down. Wow! For about six weeks, I did what they call typhoid, typhoid injection fever. And I've been to Mayo Brothers. I've been out. I've been out east, of the, out in Boston. I've been. I've been all over. And I used to go. Oh, in the fifties, I used to go in the summertime. I used to go spend one week at uh, Riley Hospital or down that area, and for a medical for eye conference. Oh. Because I was such a rare case, because you know, like I say, in '49 I was the only known Caucasian in the United States, and in, in 1950 I went to Mayo Brothers. They said the same thing. They, oh, okay, they, thanks. They called me up there, so man, you know. Well, thank you. Okay. Thank Let's you, see. Alan. Do we have any other questions for? I can't bring myself to calling him Mr. Levy, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I don't. I, Mr. Levy sounds. I don't know. Yeah, that but, sounds. You know, it makes him, him too old. Yeah. Right, well, yeah, make me feel old. Yeah, right. But you know, of course, Tim. Tim was talking about, or you mentioned about Tim doing in 1955. Yeah. Well, I remember 1955. I was I was well, 16 years old in December, right? <laughs> No, I just ask him as curiosity how right. many people I know, were. I know, I know. I, I, right. You mentioned you didn't. There, yeah. I know one hardly on here alive. That was, I, know, I had to chuckle when you said Well, that, I knew so you, but <laughs> it's very seldom. It's uh, right. very right. seldom, but uh, it's, it's, you know, very seldom. But 
I guess, most of all, we want to thank you for, A, taking your time, sharing your life, and talking about subjects. And, you know, but I thought, and we're going to do this from week to week. I'm going to find one of the listeners on the coffee club and bring them front and center, and I will talk to them. And you'll get to know more about the listeners, the people that you listen to, call in and talk. You'll get to know more and more about them. So, Ellen, you're not exempt. Uh, so you're going to be uh, no, on the I mean, it's, it's not, I, I have to say I've had a full, I've had a full life. I mean, I don't, I don't keep in touch with a lot of, a lot of people who like to judge. I, I talk to his wife oh, at least once a month or so. Sometimes he can talk to me a little bit. You know, he he remembers who I am, but I just can't really converse with him. And I still talk to a lot of the, a lot of the members that I I used to know. You know, they're still still around, but I still talk to them. Do you have any brothers or sisters, Bill? Yeah, I have one brother passed away about ten years ago. I got a sister. She's she's seven years younger than I am. She just had her seventy-seventh birthday in April twenty-six. So what now? So then, you know, as the years went by, what happened to the farm that your father had, that your parent, that your family had? Did they sell it? Well, they... he just he just he got well. I got to the point where health-wise, he couldn't run anymore, so he sold it. And then he he passed away in in nineteen ninety-one. My mother passed away in twenty fifteen, and he. Uh, he had the farm, and he just he just couldn't run anymore, and he sold it. And, but he, I mean, he he did okay. I mean, he he bought he bought the farm in 1956 for $200 an acre. He sold the farm in 19 in 1977 for $5,000 an acre. I guess he did it well. Only, it was only, it was only, 80, only only 80 acres, but he was, but we did a lot of uh, we, he did a lot of sharecropping. In fact, when I was a kid, we farmed a total of 450 acres. Because we did, we we he shared he uh, rented ground from other farmers that went in farm, you know. And but we we put 450 acres. Plus then we run a then we also had a custom hay baling business where we bale hay for people. Yeah. And I I was the one that worked on the behind the baler on the wagon at that time. And and I oh during May or well, the end of May, June, July, when the hay baling season was really big, and and in some in August, I I'd usually handle about. A thousand ninety-pound bales, four days a week. And that's a hot job. If nobody's ever done that, baling hay and putting hay on. Oh, yeah, it's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah, you're out there in the sun and the dirt and the. And and it's the hottest time of the year. Right. And I've had weird experience. One time, I was uh, standing, leaning up against the bales, uh, and all of a sudden, I felt something slide down. My back. I had a snake drop down my back. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave you going. I'm not right, usually right. afraid and, and of them, but I think I'd be afraid of that one. <laughs> right, right. And, and of course, we had a dairy herd, which I, which I really hated. But and the dairy herd would melt twice a day. And well, my brother and I got to be well. We he was he couldn't drive then, but when we bought the farm, fifty six. He he turned sixteen and. and uh, Fifty-seven, but anyway, we had these, we had friends in that, and they could drive. And of course, we we would go out. And my dad had one one curfew, and his curfew was: I don't care what time you come in, we still milk at five. <laughs> so if you if you came in at four thirty, you didn't go to bed. You went. You just changed your clothes and milk cows. That makes a rough day, doesn't it? Right. It makes you, a you lot. Got up at four thirty every morning. You know. Yeah. So, so yeah, you you, you learned, day. didn't you? You oh, learned. Yeah, you, you learned. In fact, right now I still got a habit, which even to this day I get up every morning at seven o'clock. 
Now yeah. that's seven o'clock central time, you know. But I get up every day, even Saturday and Sundays. I'm not doing anything. Like I get up every day at seven o'clock. You just wake up. It's kind of like me. I wake yeah, up yeah, at seven o'clock. Up. I don't so need it. So what do you anymore. do? You've been so busy all the time. What do you do now to occupy your day since you don't have to work a full time job? And uh, well, I do a lot of stuff on the computer. Read a lot of stuff. Look up a lot of stuff. Um, of course, listen to Bill's. Uh, lunch bunch. I listen to that. You listen to that show? Yeah, I, I'm I listen. But a lot of times, the subject you're talking about is just, you know, it's it, it, I mean, some, I got I to gotta look up a song for you guys to play one day. I'll find it. And, well, wait it. a minute. I played one uh, about food. You know how much you love food. Right, right, right. Well, I, I thought I thought about rum and Coca-Cola, and then I got doing something. Oh, a friend of mine called, and I oh. couldn't, and it was too late to get back to you. Well, I would have played but, it anyway, for you. I'll play some right, more I, of that. I was going to call it in, and then the phone rang, and this friend called. And when I got off the phone, it was like 10 minutes to 2, and I said, oh, you, I'm not going to try to get in on you then. Yeah, but, but anyways, uh, and of course, the coffee club, and I listened to it. If I think of it, I heard it yesterday. I never think about it on Tuesday, Jennifer, Jennifer's thing, and I listened to the night of the sports lounge. And all things radio, for some reason, I just can't. Well, what happens there, my daughter usually gets in, and that's yeah. about the time we're eating dinner when Sports Lounge is on. Or, I mean, uh, all things radio. I listen to it now and then. You know, I catch it. But, uh, but you know, and then, of course, I have it. Uh, I don't have it on through the day. Of course, on TV, I read. I do, you know, different things. Well, we're going to find some I things. Go cut, i got to go cut grass. I'm pretty yeah. hour tomorrow. So. In just a moment, we're going to talk about a subject that is going to give you something to do. So just stay right here where you are, Bill, and we'll transition to it. You oh. don't have to go anyplace. All right. Can, can I mention one thing? Sure. Did, did, uh, I don't know if anybody read the—I don't know if anybody gets the ACP Dots and Dashes, you know, that little magazine they put out. Not the Braille form, but it's called Dots and Dashes. Yeah. I see—I heard this on the radio the other day that— Safaro or Jaws was going to be this week. I think it's today, tomorrow, Friday. I think the National Restaurant Association. Safaro is going to be there demonstrating the new device they've got to put into all the kiosks and the restaurants and stores and that for they will talk and it'll do thirty different languages. Yeah, they they're they were especially be, big at McDonald's, I think. Right, so right. Well, they're they're going to be at the National Restaurant Association, and so they mentioned that. And just so happened, I happened to have the the radio on the other day, and they had the uh, well, what's his name, last name Bayless, I think his first name. I knew him; he used to be the head chef at the club, and he owns four big restaurants here in Chicago, Frontier, and them. But anyways, he was he's the head of the National Restaurant Association, at least here, and he was on the radio, and he was telling that. Yeah, he said, we're going to have a, a uh, new company come in and demonstrate the new talking fiat from, from a place he said called Sapero. So well, that's they got, a, mentioned on, they got mentioned on the radio. That, that is a great thing, and we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to transition over here in a minute. I think you're going to like what we're talking about because it will give you okay. something to do. We have and a hand raised from uh, Dick in Milwaukee. Okay, let's get uh, Dick's a little early today. Right. Go ahead, Dick. Oops. Let's get him unmuted. Yeah, you, you muted yourself again, Dick. He can't there help it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, I have to ask Bill a couple of questions. Now, what kind of cows did you have in your farm? Dairy or prime rib cows? It was dairy cows. Okay, a lot of brown cows? Uh, <laughs> well, they were... Guernseys, Jerseys, and Holsteins. 
Well, I wonder if he had a lot of the, they gave lots of chocolate milk then for. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, was, he was drink lots of chocolate milk as a child, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, we we did drink a lot of milk. My brother and sister and I, we used to go through 15 gallons of milk a week. Wow, I didn't even. We, think we, I drank, drank, <laughs> we drank we drank milk like water. I mean, we never. I still drink moo juice myself. Oh yeah, we we I still. It, I still it bothers milk. my stomach, and it didn't milk. used to. Do you, do you, did you have pictures of Elsie the cow on your farm as well? She was the big uh, spokesman for Borden at that uh, for oh, years and years. No, we didn't. We didn't have one like that. No, but <laughs> I could see and Jeff Bill, and Kristen out Bill, marking. Uh, yes. Bill Levy, uh, uh-huh. when you worked at the was it the Illinois Athletic Club? I wonder if you knew. No, the University Club. University oh, Club. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. That was the, the big one. Right? The Illinois Athletic Club was around around the corner down the street. Right. So the, the Illinois Athletic Club had guys like Johnny Wise Miller used to be a member of things like that. So. Yeah, my uncle, I went there when I was in school. Oh, you went there Illinois Athletic Club? Okay. Yeah, I don't remember much. I was pretty young. Okay. What was your uncle's name? You don't uh, mind me. Uh, it was uh, Dr. Schultz, you know, the original Dr. Schultz, Bill Schultz. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I didn't I didn't know him, but I knew who he was, because I used to do a lot of work for uh, orthopedic doctors, like Dr. Scuderi. Foot doctor, uh, yeah. Dr. Lambert, uh, all those guys were um, orthopedic guys. And they, used, they used to send me their patients to me instead of sending them to the hospital because they didn't like the people who worked at the hospital. Dick, that's not the same Dr. Shaw who made all those uh, uh, things for your feet, that your uncle. Oh, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, it, it was. It uh-huh. yeah, sure was. Same guy. Right? Wow. He owned, he owned, yeah, he owned a uh, house on the lake. It was called Castellaga in uh, La Porte, Indiana. Right, and, right, uh, right. And we used right. to go there over holiday weekends, and my family did. He had slot machines. Whoa. <laughs> Which was illegal. <laughs> that was my introduction to slot machines. Did you ever I've been, win, Dick? Um, no, but he he always told you. I remember him telling me, I don't ever do this a lot because you don't win. <laughs> but I, it's I've still fun. That, I've been by that house. You I've have. never been in it, but I've been by it. Oh, it was really, it was a very, very, it was a huge house. Oh, but it was still fun, it didn't. Yeah. A lot of winds, a lot of lake damage, unfortunately, I've been told. In fact, you know, there, there is a shoal road in Indiana, right? Hmm. And there's a, so there were there were shoal there too, but not even they were long gone. But mm-hmm. back in the fifties, there were shoal there. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good story, oh, okay. Dick. Okay, guys, everyone, take care. Bye, All right, Denver. thank you, Dick. Also, on the little side thing, uh, Bill, my father, we never did much of anything wrong because he was an auxiliary sheriff, and he used to always tell us when we got to be older. If you get yourself in trouble or you go, you do something you shouldn't do, he said, I'll still come look for you. And he said, and I remember this to this day, one time he told us that, he said, if you ever pull a gun on me, you better shoot faster than I do. Hmm. Father and son meant nothing to him with that in law. I mean, it was if you, if you shot at him, you were going to get shot back at him. And I can remember a, a story. He was always big on, on gun safety. My brother, he was about 17. He was standing in the yard with my dad and a couple other guys. I mean, he and I, my brother and I were standing, we were discussing some stuff. My brother had a, a 410 shotgun in his hand, and it was broke open, and no way it could even fire because it, it was broken open. Well, somebody asked, one of the guys asked a question on her, forget this, and my brother had the gun in his right hand. He took the gun and raised it up and pointed over that direction. You know, so he just said, over that way. And all of a sudden, he raised the gun my dad hit him upside the head. He rolled across the yard. He said, I told you, never point a gun at anyone in your life. And he said, I meant it. 
I so bet he we, never we learned, did we either. We things the hard way, right? <laughs> <laughs> he never did, did he? Uh, again, no, I no, bet. Never, did, never did it again. I mean, oh yeah, I've, I've had my my dad could draw fat, uh, draw his belt faster than the Lone Ranger could draw his six shooter. I mean, if if you really did something wrong and he really didn't like it, and he knew you had to be punished for it, if you all of a sudden you did it, and you knew you better run. <laughs> no, so he was. Did you guys have your own pets growing up? Yeah, we on had the dogs. farm. Yeah, we had we had dogs. We had cats. Cats who stayed in the barn, but our dog dog. We had one dog that uh, my dad got from a family in Fort Wayne. It got too big. It was a big board. It was a border collie. It got too big, so he he found out about it. He brought it out the barn. Well, we'll bring it out here. We'll just let it run around. If it does anything, it doesn't do anything. You know, just better than because the, they're going to put it down. Well, anyways, we we took that dog. And, they, and we named his name was Oriwood Pepper because he was in. But Pepper, he would, he knew every cow by name for some reason. He knew it. You could tell him to go go pick out Sally, go pick out Molly or whatever cow. He could cut that cow out of the herd of 20, 20 deer cattle. Hmm. And every morning at four thirty, you could hear him in the back in the field barking. He's bringing the cows up. It was time to milk. And one thing. We never did know if he if he figured out I had an eye problem or couldn't see what had to be. But anyways, I was the only one he'd do this to. When I go to a field to work, he would follow me to the field. He would stand at the opening or the gate of the far of the field, and he'd bark at me. And I'd have to stop the tractor. He would run zigzag that whole field. I don't know if it was 20 acres or 30 acres. He would run that thing, the whole thing, zigzag back and forth. Come back, bark, and lay down by the gate and watched me in the field. And one time I was going mowing hay in tall grass, and I was mowing this hay, and all of a sudden he comes flying across the field barking. And I thought, well, why is he barking? So I looked, and I just stopped, and he, he circled around and stood at a spot, and I went out and looked. And the next time I would have went around, I would have fell into a four-foot washout. The front wheels or someone would have dropped into it. How uh, he knew that was there, but it, it was it was the strangest thing. And in '61, Claudette uh, and I went down there. Like I say, the month after we were married, and we left. Pepper disappeared. Never know what happened to him. He just he just left. They don't know if he's trying to find me or where he went, but no one ever knows what happened to him. Hmm. You ever try to make pets out of the cows? Sometimes people have done that uh, when we live on a oh, farm. Oh yeah, the cow, well, yeah, you, 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 oh yeah, you was friendly with all the cows. You had to be friendly, or you, I would get kicked if you didn't. I mean, you know. <laughs> but otherwise, and there's and there's certain ways. You know, we had you know, you put the milkers on, but you know, it's, it, there's a certain way you'd stand. You'd always stand facing the the back, the the hind quarter of the cow. And a lot of times you'd put your head against right there at the hind quarter, where it's more or less between the ribs and the hind quarter. And you could tell by the way they have to flex their muscle was going to kick at you. If something was wrong, they are going to kick or didn't like something because they, you'd feel the muscle flex. Were there really cats that stayed out there by the barn or in the barn yeah, when you were milking? My, my sister had a cat, but she, uh, she'd come to the house and most of them stayed in the barn because that's where they really... That's where they could find all their mice and animals and stuff. But I mean, when you were milking, yeah. did they stand and wait uh, to? We used to have. Well, they had all come around because they knew they'd get a pan of milk. Oh. They always got a pan of milk, and they'd always come out. You know, but they they never really they never really came in the barn where the cows were. Right. Uh, well, they wouldn't stand a chance. Right, right. But we used to have. But we used to have a. 
We had a, a nest of barn swallows that used to come every year because barn swallows come back to the same nest. And they used to walk across the cows when we was milking. They'd get in, they'd fly in through the window because you didn't have air conditioner enough. And they would they'd walk across the, the thing. In fact, there was one one year the birds got so friendly used to ride them, but Dad's shoulder was in the barn. And they come back every year to nest with the, the family. Always comes back to the same nest. A pretty good story. We're going to switch subjects here for just a few minutes because I want Jeff to comment on something. Jeff, I just read an article yesterday, and this will affect you too, Bill, and any other panelist or listener. Tell me a little bit about Amazon television that you can buy as cheap or the operating says at Best Buy for sometimes on sale as low as one twenty nine or eighty nine dollars for a television. Tell me about all these new free channels coming, Jeff. Well, they haven't they haven't told us what channels they're going to be, but they're supposedly going to be putting in, and it's on the section of your Fire TV called Freevee, I believe they call it, and it used to be AMC, but it's called Freevee, and they're going to put like something like 430 new channels coming, and they, I guess they're going to come gradually, but by the summer they'll 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 you know they'll all be up and running. I don't know what channels they are, but they're obviously trying to compete with the other streaming services like Pluto TV and Peacock and some other, other companies as well. But that's all I know. So hopefully uh, we'll find out what they are. As, uh, as well, as I can tell can. you some of them right now. Uh, your NBC News Now, CBS News, some ABC. CBS things. HQ for the sports one. I know that's there. Right. And some of those are going to be right there free of charge you don't have to pay so if not that television well i know my google what is it the one i got for florida the google the samsung that one had a thousand free channels right off the bat you know you get so many channels like that i mean i have pluto tv i have uh tubi i'm not that i really use them but i have them i have amazon's fire tv which has a lot of channels on that freebie service as well you get a thousand channels you, you eventually get into this thing called media. You don't even know what to watch when you have a thousand channels. Oh, I, I know I know what you mean, Jeff. I got a, I don't have a fire cube. I got a fire cube, and I've got freebie on mine already. And I get all that stuff, Pluto, Amazon. Yeah. And there's, there's so many, so much on, so many channels on TV, you don't need to watch. You don't need to watch. So. Right, so there's I, so much. Go ahead. I was going to say, I've noticed on ABC, when they do all their ads for upcoming programs, they've been saying, now streaming on Hulu. That's right, because Hulu is right. owned, Hulu is, um, owned by, by, by Disney, which is, uh, which is the parent company ABC. of ABC. Yes. Yeah. Um, lots of stuff. You know, uh, the other thing is, Bill, uh, you got all of these channels. I mean, I mean then, then, of course, where you are in Chicago, which is where, which is where, it's, where it's based initially, you've got a channel called News Nation. That right. one's 24 hours a day with, with programs, um, although I believe they repeat programs at, later on at night, but it's yeah. 24 hours a day now. Um, and, but they're competing against MSNBC. They're competing against CNBC, CNBC World. Fox News, CNN, CNN International, and Newsy changed its name because it's owned by Scripps Howard, the uh, you know the company that owns TV stations and newspapers, and now they have their own news channel called Scripps News. And so, now also NBC News is on NBC Now. And the thing about it is, folks, you don't have to do anything to your TV. You just well, okay. You have to plug it in and sign into your Wi-Fi, and it does the rest. It 
you know, once you, most people have a Google account, so they can sign in or whatever account you want to use, and you don't have to do anything. It's not like you're signing up. Go ahead, Tim. Did no, you? I think I was just clearing oh, my throat. Oh. Well, one thing I was 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 a little not I wasn't really upset. I happen to like the old TV show Dragnet from the uh, from the 1960s. Little did I know. I mean, I bought I bought all of the seasons of it, but I didn't have to do that because now they're on freebie. The only difference is, is that you get commercials if you want to watch it on freebie for nothing. So at least I have Dragnet. And yeah, I can stand a commercial or two. I don't, I don't mind the commercials, but if I knew that they were going to do that, I wouldn't have bought the season. Jeff, you Julie know how you are. You know how you are, Jeff. So, That's right. Uh, go ahead, Julie. No, I mute yourself, Julie. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am unmuted. Yes, and I'm seeing. Maybe it's always been that way, and I just didn't pay attention. But on um, Amazon Prime, they are having some free trials of things, and then you know, mm-hmm. if you keep them, you subscribe to them. And um, so I got. I think the more inexpensive version of Discovery Plus. And um, I saw yesterday that they had PBS documentaries. And so I'm free trialing those. Yeah, I I would urge you to be a tad careful on these free trials because they end before you know it. And next thing you know, they've got your credit card and they're starting zinging away. And And they'll bill you every month, Julie. So make sure you cancel well beforehand. Let them know that they're going to bill you for the next month. So you can always cancel them anytime you want to cancel them. Right, you can. And a lot of people... We'll sign up for these not knowing. I don't know if it's because I'm in this group, so I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but seniors or whatever, they'll sign up for these things thinking it's free. And next thing you know. No, it's not. No. (laughs) You've got all kinds of services like uh, they just changed the name of HBO Max, but all of these things like Cinemax and... Well, they trick people because at first it'll say, watch this show on Cinemax and let you watch it, and then it doesn't tell you until they, they hook you that you can get that you have to get a free trial when after your trial it's going to... But you got to read all the fine print. Right, well, a lot of people just don't read or they don't pay attention because you do have to go through a prompt or two. Right, Jeff? Oh yes, and and now I I think the Federal Trade Commission has has put into law, put into effect laws, although I don't know if they're being admi- followed right now. Sometimes the biggest problem when you get these subscriptions that you sign up for and you want to cancel them, man, you have a devil of a time to figure out where that cancellation link is because they bury it somewhere within the code. And and if you, you if you try to cancel it, it's tough to, it's tough to figure out how to cancel it. So um, that there, there was a big uproar about that, and I believe that the, they've made, they've come in with some laws now that say, look, you can't just do that. You have to make the cancellation easy so people can cancel it if they want to. You can even sign up for a service. You can type it in. I forgot the name of it now. That they'll look at your record and they'll tell you if you or they will cancel it automatically for you if you want these. Because people, as things get easier, spend a lot of money on, hey, cutting the core TV is not cheap. They try to make out, well, cable whatever, and maybe there's a better way to do cable. I, I'm sure of that. 
But some of this cut the cord TV is not so not so free. No, if you want to right. you want to subscribe to some of these some of these channels and their different services, you by the time you finish and let's say you do two or three different services that you want, you may be paying more for those services than you would be for the cable. You know, you yeah, may, I can see how that could happen very easily. Yes, very yes. easily, and not even trying to. You right. know, right? Yeah, I I can see that that could happen very easily, and yeah, that's not. I know I, I subscribed to something, Julian, and the only way I could get rid of it was to cancel the credit card and and or put a stop on that credit card because I couldn't get I couldn't figure out how to unsubscribe to the service. You so, know, I, yeah. I will tell you, Jeff, if you if you have Amazon, you know the Fire TV or whatever. I do know it's very easy to go to the help section and to, or to call that phone number on the website. And they will unsubscribe you from things. Yes, that is a nice service. That is yeah. a wonderful service that they have that people can take advantage of. And they just unsubscribe you and they can get you out of a lot of those messes. But shame on some of these TV things. I mean, next thing you know it, folk, you can really be signed up for a lot of things that you don't even know about. And so be careful of cutting the cord. It's going to cut your wallet. Yeah, uh, it, I, I certainly see that it could. Yeah, now, it can. Uh, yeah. So, but I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll try a couple of these because I had wanted to see some of the Ken Burns things that I haven't always been able to um, with the PBS documentaries. And, and um, the la- I think the one they had a year or two ago, the country music one, I had kind of wanted to get that one, but I couldn't because now PBS, you have to subscribe, you have to pay something to get their, their videos and their series and things. And so... Um, so I thought I would try this and, and well, see, no, but I don't want, I'm not going to want to yeah. try very many of them. No, because as long as you know the that. Thing, the thing about that, some of the free, you know, there's lots of channels, but basically it, it looks to me from having looked at um, Amazon Prime and and Pluto and Tubi, um, many of them, there's a lot of the stuff is the same thing. That's correct. I mean, if I want to watch NBC News now, I can find it on the Fire TV News app. I can find it on Pluto TV, and I can find it on on the, on the Tubi as well. There, there. So there are duplicates. So, so, you know, you have to be careful when you, when you when you look at what, what's on these things. And that's why they a lot of, they give you the free trial. And so when it's free, yes, they say it's free for thirty days. Make sure you cancel that like on the twenty eighth or the twenty seventh day. You want to make sure you do it a few days early, so you, they they can't. Uh, they can't, but, you know, right. But write this down, folks. Things are changing because, you know, back in the old days, not the old days, but even to a few years ago or whenever they've made these changes, you would have the cable company come in. And if you wanted cable in three bedrooms, you had to pay extra for boxes each month. And maybe these are 10 or $15 a piece. It all adds up. That saves you 45 bucks. where if you 
plug your TV in and there. It's a smart TV. I don't even think you can get a dumb TV anymore. Um, <laughs> the it's you know it's it's all through your Wi-Fi and you don't have to. Um, buy all these extra boxes and pay for their boxes and all that stuff. And the cable company knows this and they know now they've got to go in a different direction. You know, the, the one thing that they haven't been able to crack into yet is how, you know, we can get access to internet because somebody, you have to go back to them for internet, you know, but other than that, and a lot of places like where I live, if I want internet, there really is no choice. Either it's it's either it's a cable company or nothing. Um, although T-Mobile has a, this wireless service, but again, it's the cable company or nothing. I mean, that's the bottom line, in where, at least where I am. It's well, a year. In Chicago, we got Verizon now is advertising the internet for twenty five dollars a month or thirty five dollars a month. I will thank you, Julie, and I will tell you that that's about the biggest waste of money you could ever spend. It is slow and is based upon old technology, and it oh, yeah, just I, I buy it. no, <laughs> it doesn't work very well. Oh, another thing, talking about TV and stuff. I don't know if you saw this or not. My daughter read it to me. Yes, she's reading the paper. I think it was yesterday. You know, Ford Motor Company is not putting radios in cars next year. Well, they're you phasing them out. Here. They didn't. They didn't say they're not putting the radios in the cars, and uh, they're they're definitely not putting AM radios at some point. But they right. are phasing them out. But there is a problem. They can't just do that because FEMA requires AM radio because that's where the EBS alerts come. Right, right. So there is a problem right, with right. that. So now they're, they're getting not, away they, from Apple too. I think Apple. That, that I heard as well. By know, the way, do you, I don't know if you want to do the recipe bill. It's about. Uh, well, 10. I don't 52. actually. Let me see here, Jeff. What time is it? 10.52. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Um, you and Jenny pick up something in Bill okay. while I... Jenny, you were talking about reading a book that you had to do for the uh, book talk. Uh, are you allowed to talk about it and just tell us what the book is? Uh... It's um, called The Carpenter's a Musical Legacy, and it's supposed to be... It's written by... Um, well, Richard Carpenter had a lot to do with it, and they did lots of interviews with him. It's... Oh, what's his name? Mike Sedoni Linux, and you can get it on Bard. And it's supposed to be more, not so much about oh Karen Carpenter and all of the all anorexia and all that stuff. It's more about their their actual careers. So and it's got lots of pictures. It's I think it's designed to be like a what people call a coffee table book. You know, where it has lots of, lots of pictures in it for you to look at. But it's a well. That sounds pretty good. I, I know that a lot of those coffee table books don't have a lot of, well, they do have text in them, obviously, but it's more pictorial. So, uh, but I know that uh, there was one I got that I was able to put on the scanner, but of course it had a lot of pictures. It was the story of Charlie Parker, who was a very famous jazz saxophone player, Charlie the Bird Parker. And I, 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 I didn't buy it. I, I borrowed it from a friend to see if I could scan it. And I got a lot of information, but it, it would have been more helpful if I, if I knew what the pictures were. So thanks, Jennifer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and that's the cool thing is in this, in this book, the narrator describes the the. Pic- pictures but you know you it's, it always amazes me the stars that are so so popular and like you think they have everything going for them they have a good voice or whatever like karen carpenter whitney houston artists like that and why in the world they end up destroying themselves uh, they get famous very quickly and you know you live that lifestyle and it, it, it can overwhelm you jennifer that's one of the things that you, that you learn that you hear about with these stars so um, but I will tell you that when they came out on the scene, 
it was a they were a group the carpenters that bridged all generations and my parents loved them my sister loved them i liked them as well i mean they, they oh they, she had a lovely voice and they and the arrangements that richard carpenter came up with because he was really the the, the, the brains behind the musical part of it were just were just fantastic you know uh, that's, that's all you can say and let's didn't not think, he, didn't right. he end up writing for other people after after she died too that didn't I, completely end his career did it? no I, I believe he's quite right about that but he definitely had the ideas that that made it work let me see if bill's ready here and uh but he did did a very good job of what they did i mean i gotta tell you they that those albums that they came out with were excellent albums they got a lot of play on the easy listing oh station. yeah uh, and there's songs that you remember that you've heard them i mean they've stuck stuck around for a long time that's true so again uh thanks for and, and of course for, for those who don't know what tell us a little bit about when your book talk show is on for those who have not heard it about it here i mean we've talked about it a lot but there may be listeners who who don't we, know we do it every tuesday evening from five to six o'clock eastern time and we talk about all kinds of books it doesn't matter where you get your books like there's a good list for books that are just on on bard or the nls service but we don't care if you got it from audible kindle wherever and we encourage people to uh, come and talk to us about good books that they read once a month i'm trying to go through and get the top 10 fiction and non-fiction books from the bestseller list and you know, Sounds- Jeff, I'm seeing it. I think she's already posted it to the legend list, but I will post it later on today. All right. Um, that's probably about the best we can do under the circumstances uh, is to post that because I haven't seen. And I went back and looked. I understand. But, well, Jennifer, before, before we go, I just want to say thank you for what, what you do and that book. I mean, I wish I was a book reader. I'm not really a book reader, but but I know your show is becoming very popular. And let's let's support Jennifer because this is a new thing. And I know you're doing a darn good job, you and Nolan. Thank you. Well, you, you might end up reading, Jeff. You never know. We might find something that piques your interest. You uh, you just might. And I might have to, I'll set that up so I can, even if I'm not doing something or if I'm doing something in the background, I can right. Uh, Jeff, you well, can do it. And we also got to thank Bill Levy. Thank you, Bill, for the for, interview. For you enjoyed it. coming on and doing your thing. And we really admire and appreciate all you've done. And, Tim, I know that you've, that you've done stuff on Gordon Lightfoot, and I know you always do a good job with that. So uh, um, thank you for that, Tim, because you uh, you like the same kind of music I do. So and I know you'll have a lot of requests today on your show. You might even have more from Gordon Lightfoot to play. Yeah, we're striking out, Jeff. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. And I've got a request. I'll play for Tammy Maynard later. I, you know, she wanted some Gordon Lightfoot stuff, so we'll play that. I can always do a special time coming on the legend too, right, Tim? I think I can. Yeah. After you go off, I can do one sometime. So, yeah, you do so many time on Wednesdays, nobody, <laughs> nobody's on on Wednesdays after me. That's right. I can do that. So thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for everyone. Oh, we got a few seconds here. Well, we may end a few seconds early. That'll give Tim a little bit of time. So thank you again, everyone. We really appreciate it. Have a good week, everybody. Right, bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff.